Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Talk with Joe Meyer, or Just Talk with Joe Meyer. I'm your host today, and I'll be going over getting to know me. For those of you who are just joining me for the first time, I'll be your host, Just Talk with Joe Meyer. I'm basically nobody right now. But if you like listening to nobodies like myself, then please tune in right now. I'm not the Joe Rogan. I'm far from it. But I still have a voice and hopefully people want to listen to me. But welcome. As usual, I like to start off with a theme music here. And that's not really the music I play all the time. But this is really what I'm hopefully going to set the theme to to my talk today. So just listen to the great Don Henley called, this song's called Dirty Laundry, which many have probably heard before, but let's listen. So I'll definitely play more of this song, which is one of my favorites. I love that song. And it just is so, it just plays so well today in today's society, right? Um, But let me get started with my week. What's going on in the life of Joe, (laughs) which not sure if anybody really cares or not, but um, I care. You know, we all should care about our lives, right? Um, Pretty... Pretty lackluster week, you know, nothing too exciting, but um, just work, teaching at night, you know, something that I, you know, have been doing for many, many years now. I've actually been teaching at night for close to nine, probably over nine years now. And um, I've taught anything, taught most students from mostly college age. So... In the beginning of my teaching career, I actually worked for a small media arts college who had a business program. So I was one of their business instructors and there were students going for their bachelors. Um, Now I work for a kind of a smaller school, not necessarily a smaller school, um, but a school that teaches, you know, more in the vocational arts and medical assisting. And so I'm part of their, um, essentially their general education department. So I teach those students. And what's great is, you know, going from teaching those who are trying to get their bachelor's versus those who are getting their, maybe their diplomas or certificates, um, they're very different students, very different demographics uh, as, as far as student-wise. Diff- um, many of them are the same age-wise. I, I've, I've taught many different ages over the course of years, anywhere from 18 to people in their 60s, you know? And so... It's been great um, being able to to do that, and I'm thankful I have two jobs. 
one that these that really that most people I know going through life today uh, really only maybe have one job or not even a job at the moment due to COVID. Um, so I'm very thankful and grateful for those opportunities. I get to be in those students' lives each day. I mind you, it's not an easy job. Not everybody wants to teach or can teach. I, I question my own teaching abilities at times. Like, am I really that good? But people say, hey, Joseph, we love you. We love your teaching style. We love the way you're, you interact with the students. We love that, you know. So I, I guess I'm doing something right, everybody. <laughs> you know, um, mostly it's right now it's on Zoom. I'm here at home like many people working from home who can have the ability to work from home. So I'm doing my eight-hour job here at home. Um, with this job, it's fairly new. I've been here over a month now. And I just got done with the major training um, portion, meaning that my orientation. Now I'm really going to get into the hands-on aspect of my job. And so they're really just trying to um, have a mentor, which is my supervisor. And um, so we're doing that as we speak. And uh, so he's wonderful. He's great. He's an awesome guy. Um, and uh, I'm very thankful to work with him and... He's just very laid back and, you know, he, he's thankful I'm there as well. Um, being on Zoom, obviously most of us have probably been in an office, if we were, those who worked in an office. So this is a very new experience. Some like it, some don't. You know, um, some of the people that, you know, have left recently in the company that I'm at, many of them left because they don't want to be on the Zoom. They don't want to work from home. They want to be out there. They want to be in the physical place with people around, you know, and they need that interaction. And I need it too. Don't get me wrong. I love the interaction of being around people. But I also need a job, <laughs> you know. I don't mind working from home. It's actually, uh, it's, it's nice. Um, it would be a little bit better if my daughter was at school in a physical school right now just because, you know, it, it gets a little distracting at times. But... It is what it is, so to speak, right? Um, we just have to deal with it right now. Hopefully this will pass and temporarily pass and we can go on living to our normal, so to speak, lives again. Um, but it's, it's, you know, what can we do? Uh, my daughter, who is seven years old, she's also taking her Zoom second grade classes with her teacher. And um, that's going well as far as I can see. It's an adjustment for any child to do Zoom. And personally, I just don't think it's a natural way to learn for kids. But, you know, she's picking it up as quickly as she can. I'm here for her to support her. Um, helping her get, log into her Zoom. You know, making sure she's all set up in the morning. Making sure that, you know, she has all her tools necessary. So that when she needs to do certain things like submit her work, which... By the way, she does on her own. She submits all her work through an app called Seesaw, and um, and it's for it's some you know educational app that allows instructors, teachers to kind of allow them to put assignments on there, communicate with the parents, the kids, um, to turn things in, and she does great. She pushes the record button. She can record herself. She can record a, a video. Uh, she can record her voice. She can actually submit her work. So she can do a lot of that. And uh, I don't even have to do anything. 
but you know it's it's a good amount of class there's probably about 20 kids or more and so one of the most frustrating things and and i don't know how much we can do about this parents but is you know kids talking over each other you know um keeping themselves on mute while you know the the teacher is speaking and um sometimes that's hard and i get it you know sometimes the teacher is speaking and speaking and um and everybody the little kids you know they're seven years old you know they're talking among each other you know they're having conversations they're like blah blah, blah. you know they're trying to talk to the teacher and the teacher's trying to communicate to the students and it's a little frustrating that she has to repeat herself so many times like kids you need to be on mute kids you need to raise your hand kids you need to let everybody speak kids 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 you know and i get it they're kids you know that's what makes it not so natural is because kids are used to being in a classroom and being able to raise their hand and being quiet while on zoom kids have to want to get their question out there or they want to ask the teacher something and this is the only way they can do it but there's the formalities of trying to raise your hand during a zoom teaching is is difficult you know it's not easy and so i definitely envy this teacher who has a incredible amount of patience she is so kind she she doesn't even raise her voice she she kindly tells the kids that you know over if she even has to say over and over and over again hey kids hey kids hey kids hey kids you know she'll say that she'll keep saying it until they get it you know um so uh, great deal of patience i don't know how kids do it today i really don't kids are well more advanced than i was at that age and um, especially in in the time that you know I was her age which would be have been in 1987 folks so I'm 40 years old so 1987 was you know a great year you know I don't remember it <laughs> uh, uh, but you know from what I hear I see here some great events took place during 1987 um, certain things like that was the introduction of the Simpsons on the Tracy Ullman show. A little piece of trivia there. Um, some films that took place during 1987. Some like The Princess Bride, um, Overboard, Empire of the Sun, The Untouchables, um, La Bamba. <laughs> uh, what else? Hamburger Hill, Mannequin, one of my favorites. Um, what else? Harry and the Hendersons, you guys. Harry and the Hendersons. What a great film. Um, I'm, I'm definitely sure I watched that. You know, what else? Um, Batteries Not Included. Mm, the Witches of Eastwick. What else? Um, Throw Mama from the Train. Hey, anybody saw that? You know? And then what else? Um, some other ones I don't even know. Them, you know? The Quick and the Dead. Awesome. I'm just reading off a list here, folks. Uh, anything else here? I'm sure there's a lot more films on here. Some of these, I'm sure some of you will may correct me. Ah, oh, Teen Wolf 2. Awesome. Not one of my personal favorites because I'm more of a Teen Wolf original with Michael J. Fox, but he did a, a decent job, right? The Garbage Pail Kids. Hey, everybody. How many of you remember that film, The Garbage Pail Kids, right? 
Dolls, right? A lot of films. Oh, what's this? Uh, Near Dark. I'm not sure what that was. Um, but just a lot of great films, right? So thinking about the time of 1987, obviously we didn't have computers back then. We had to be in the classroom. And um, we didn't have Zoom. We didn't have iPhones. We didn't have internet. We didn't have any of that, you know? So um, in my personal opinion, those were probably much better times, right? <laughs> you know? Um, and unlike today, I'm not saying today's are not good times. Today's are very, you know, they keep us on our toes, right? With COVID going on, you know, the world of politics, the media, you know, a great deal of, of just what's going on today, right? Um, so what are we going to talk about today, folks? What What is on the agenda today? Well, you know, some of you... Um, going back to listening to the song Dirty Laundry by Don Henley, you know, really focused on, you know, that song, right? So, and some of you may not pay attention to the lyrics. Some of you who do, I think it's important to pay attention to the lyrics and songs, you know. So, you know, let's see here. Let's see what the lyrics are. So let's let, let me kind of I'm not going to sing them out to you but just tell you what these lyrics are. So the first thing is I make my living off the evening news. Just give me something. Something I can use. People love it when you lose. They love dirty laundry. Well, I could have been an actor, but I wound up here. I just have to look good. I don't have to be clear. Come and whisper in my ear. Give us dirty laundry. Kick them when they're up. Kick them when they're down. Kick them when they're up. Kick them when they're down. Kick them when they're up. Kick them when they're down. Kick them when they're up. Kick them all around. We got the bubble-headed bleach blonde comes on at five. She can tell you about the plane crash with a gleam in her eye. It's interesting when people die, give us dirty laundry, right? So think, just thinking about those words, right? Obviously, it's about the media. It's about what's going on today. It's so important to really look at that, right? The media, which many people, I, I'm hoping people understand this, that the media is, is really just built for profit, right? That's really what their whole purpose is, to entertain, you know, every one of us, right? Now, you may even say, well, you know, the local news, their, their job is just to deliver the news. Well, no, yes and no. Their job is to deliver the news, but their job is also be the entertaining so they can keep their jobs and keep the ratings up, right? Because ratings are everything in the news business, right? Also, ratings, sponsors, and money, you know? So it's very important that they keep those up. So you have... The Fox Newses, the CNNs, the one, the one news along with hosts like the Hannitys, um, Como, you know, Lemon, you know, Tucker Carlson. You know, I don't watch these shows. You know, to be honest, in my opinion, I probably garbage. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. You know, for some of those who listen out there, you may like them. 
you may love them, but let, let me tell you something, okay? And most of you already know this. They're not there to give you the truth. They're there to entertain you. They're there to give you their opinion, you know? And when their opinions, when you identify with their opinions, then you keep watching, right? The minute they change an opinion in a sense that you don't agree with, you're going to change the channel. So they say, so they have to really make sure they talk to their audience in a way that keeps them coming back, right? You know, and I play that song because it's pretty upsetting. You know, the media, especially with the, the recent COVID, I, I think has done a great deal more damage to society and even things like our polit politics, you know, has affected the way we see things today, right? And we, we tend to, people tend to mix up what they're saying with, with truth. Like it's, it's truth that they're telling us. And it's not. Um, they can essentially lie. They, they don't have to be truthful on, on there. Now, local news is a little bit different in the sense that, you know, yeah, they have to somewhat try to make sure that they're being very truthful in what they're telling us about our own local society where we're located at whether you're in los angeles houston you know wherever you know they have to make sure that you know you're aware of what's going on in your local area right when it comes to those hannity's comes to the comos they're really just trying to give you an opinion that everybody's going to kind of take in right now i'm not saying they essentially try to lie intentionally some of them actually do some of them Know what they're telling you is a lie, but you're eating it up, people. You're just eating it up. And, you know, Don Henley was, I think, uh, you know, well beyond his time, you know, just with the song he wrote, right? So he's he's familiar with what's going on, right? You know, and just, just real quickly here, you know, one of the, the verses here is, Dirty little secrets, dirty little lies. We got our dirty little fingers in everybody's pies. We love to cut you down to size. We love dirty laundry. We can do the innu innuendo. We can dance and sing. And when it's said and done, we haven't told you a thing. We all know that crap is king. Give us dirty laundry. Right? What an incredible song. I love this song. You know? And it's so true, everybody. It, it's, it's unfortunate that people don't want to listen. It's unfortunate that people want to listen to crap. You know, and I'm not crap here. I'm trying to tell you what it is. And I know we all have an opinion, everybody. We all have an opinion on what goes on in today's world. We all sometimes even have our own conspiracies and things. Um, and, and we put that out there. But let me tell you, everybody, that when it comes to like those situations, like those networks, the media, they have a very large megaphone, right? And they have a very large megaphone that they can spread out to millions of people and it's not just on television it's also online social media uh, the facebook's the twitter's you know whatnot the tiktoks whatever you know they have the ability to get those messages out to everybody and yes we all have a choice to listen or not to listen to put the social media away to not listen and, and really grow to do our own research you know but I think people are too damn lazy to do that nowadays. I just think so. You know, people want to take everything with a, a word of, of truth that they're saying, you know, and believe it, right? 
where people are just too damn lazy to go out there and search for the answers themselves, right? Now, I know we all get caught up with it. There are a great deal of charismatic people out there in the world of media, and you just love looking at them. I mean, they're beautiful people, aren't they? You know, some of them are fairly good looking. Some of them are average looking. But, you know, you look at some of the female broadcasters out there who are the bubble-headed blondes, and that's what they are, right? You know, yeah, there's the brunettes out there, but, you know, let's stick to the bubble-headed blondes, right? You know, and, yeah, you may sing, no, Joseph, that's sexist, man. You know, they have a brain. They're intelligent people. You know, don't be like that with them and, and, and put your prejudices out there or stereotypes, you know. But, you know, they, they fit the mold, people. They do, right? Um, they fit the mold because that, those bubble-headed blondes, they know how to reach people. They know that people are going to turn in. They know if they're attractive, they're going to gain a larger audience, right? They're never going to put somebody like me on there, right? Because I'm average Joe, you know? Um, you, know I'm a, uh, you know, I'm a nobody, you know? But you could have put a skinny bubble-headed blonde out there with armed with their own form of facts and they speak to their audience they're going to tune in and listen right and it's unfortunate that we we as society um take hook line and sinker for many of their lies now i'm i'm not going to say everybody lies you know that would that wouldn't be good because generally speaking not everybody lies not everybody does. Some people generally try to tell the truth. And I'm not saying that CNN is very better than Fox or whatever. Um, there's certain degrees where certain networks are a little bit more, they're obviously more liberal. Some are right wing. Some are down the middle. You know, they're all very different, right? But they all have an audience to, to try to reach no matter what. And my opinion is, you know, they've done some irreparable damage to our society right you know when you look at like in the world of politics right and and obviously we've had television for decades now um but did we have the hannity's you know 40 years ago no the tucker carlson's no you know we probably had some degree of it but not like today right now it's just about ratings it's about sucking you in it's about making you believe what they say so that you keep turning in, right? That's, that's really the whole hook to, their, to what they're trying to do, you know? Hey, they get paid millions of dollars, right? That's their job to do that, right? And just like any form of entertainment, they know how to get you, right? They know it. And so... They're going to keep doing it as long as people keep tuning in. And um, that's the end of it, right? It's just going to probably get more. It's probably going to get much more worse. There's probably going to add more, really much more different personalities, people with far out there opinions, far out there conspiracies, you know, and they don't stick to the truth, right? So what is it? What brings me to this discussion? Well, like what, what really did it, right? What triggered me to think about this? Well, one of it was social media, right? And this week I was kind of like, just like, ah, uh, 
I'm on Twitter a lot. And that's my main form of like, I'm not going to say news because I know I'm not getting anything of value from Twitter. Yes, there's a lot of information on there. But I, I'm, I've gotten to the point where I don't even know what's, what, what the truth is anymore, right? There's just too many voices out there. And it finally got to me. It finally got to me because it was upsetting me. It was making me angry. And I felt like I was starting to troll people for my opinions, trying to get my opinion across. Try to, and I was, you know, I was doing things, I, I was starting to do things I wasn't very proud of. I was just very, you know, I was going to certain websites, you know, and trolling them. I would say, you know, people that I didn't necessarily agree with. And I would just go to their pages and put things on there, you know. And what is, what is out there right now that you think that people can troll other people with? Well, political, for one, right? Prior to 2016, everybody, I didn't have a political identity. And I don't even think I have one now. I really didn't follow politics. And now I I wish I had never fallen politics, right? You know, politics, yes, in a sense of like, well, what are we doing for society, everybody? What is Congress doing for us? Where are we as a country? And... You know, you think about that and are we f- better off or are we worse off? I think we're much worse off than we are, than we were four years ago, to be honest, right? And, but you know, I, I like to blame Trump, but he's not the full problem. You know, he's, and I've heard this before, he's a symptom of our, of our political system, you know? The checks and balances where we all think that, hey, you know, we have checks and balances to keep powers in check, right? Well, yeah, they're supposed to be. That's why we have the branches of government that we have today to protect one another. But when you have a Congress, a Senate primarily, who lets, you know, the president do, so to speak, whatever he wants... Because essentially they're maybe getting something out of it. Then it's no longer a a republic. It's really like, well, you're going to vote for me. I'm going to do whatever I want. And I don't give a damn about what the people say. I'm just going to do what I feel is good. You know, use my own judgment. And you know, that's the worst kind of government, right? Where people stop caring about their constituents. And they start just doing whatever the hell they want to do. Because they feel like, hey. No one's going to stop me. Who's going to stop me? Am I going to stop the, a congressperson? No. Who am I? I'm nobody. I'm one vote. But, but the people, the people can do something. That's how we vote. We vote them out, right? But if they're doing their own job of submitting misinformation to the people, trying to confuse us, trying to make up half-truths and falsehoods and, you know, making us believe one thing when really that's not the truth. And then people believe it and they they use that information and they vote on it because they think one party is worse than the other. So one of those is, you know, it's, it's really like the Republicans versus the Democrats, right? And this is really what got to me is that, 
oh the you know and it was really like the the Dem- democratic convention because that did it too so this this last week when we had that right and really what did it was just smear campaigns coming from the republicans and i'm not saying the democrats don't do it i don't think they in my opinion they don't do it as much as republicans the republicans especially trump smears the um the democrats as being you know basically the antichrist oh they just want to take away your guns they want to take away your freedoms they want to take they want to start a world revolution Uh, you know they they want to do a lot of horrible things to society and oh don't vote for them Uh, you know they're garbage you know and that's the kind of things we have to deal with right well the democrats in my opinion they've been they're just really and sometimes they're kind of passive yeah, they submit bills. They submit, you know, things to get done, which I think there's about over 200 bills sitting on Moscow Mitch's um, desk right now in the Senate. And I'm sorry if you guys don't like that term, you know, referring to somebody in a derogatory name in a sense. But, you know, I'm sorry, but it's hard not to believe when our government bends over for Russia and allows things for Russian interference. And, you know, I'm not saying that the Democrats are perfectly clean, but really many of the those in our Senate who are who are being affected are those who, you know, are in our Senate, are Republicans. So um, I don't know what's fully going on, to be honest with you. Who knows? I don't know, you know. So it's my belief, right? It's just a belief. But I will say this, there are, have been reports of Russian interference that came through the Senate, the Republican Senate, that, that came out this last week. So there has been interference and Russia will continue to interfere with our elections, you know, and, and they will continue to do that for their own purpose. Because once they hate America, obviously, okay, they hate America, they hate our ideals they want to bring us to our knees. They want to affect us. And they want to use their own technology against us, which we fell for. Society was stupid enough to fall for it. You know? And I'm not saying everybody is stupid. There are a lot of people, what's the word, woke out there who understand what I'm saying. And I love when I can click with somebody. But on the other side, you know, when I try to communicate with like a Trumper, you know, they're, they're, I, in my opinion, they're completely out there. They're like, no, Russia's not doing nothing. Russia's, you know, that's just a conspiracy. Russia, you know, the, the, the impeachment hoax, you know, the, the, the witch, you know, the witch hunt, whatever, so to speak. Right. You know, and it, it's it non-existent. You know, when I hear things like that, you know, that those are the things that upset me. Right. You know, because people are so blind. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to say this, right? Part of the reason we are where we're at is because there's other parties amplifying the message of Russia, a message of Democrats, Republicans, whatever and whatnot. And one of the things that really upset me was just the, the people that tend to do that are evangelicals. People that, in a sense, like, are supposed to, I'm supposed to be a part of, in a sense, as a Christian, Okay. And you see, like, you go online, and this is what's so upsetting. You go on, like, Twitter, Facebook, you see pastors with large congregations 
sending out conspiracy theories to their congregations about the Democrats, about, you know, oh, they're Satan worshipers and all this, you know. I, I get it that Democrats are not going to be for eliminating, you know, abortion. That, that's just not their ideals, you know. Does that make them horrible people? Not necessarily. They have their different way of thinking. Now, as a Christian, you may say, well, Joseph, you know, aren't you, don't you want to eliminate or, or get rid of abortions in your country? Don't you want that to end so to stop the killing of innocent babies? Of course. Absolutely. You know, do I want innocent babies to die? Of course not. Do I want those innocent babies to have a home that somebody can adopt them before they get, you know, sucked out? Of course. But you know what's not my choice, people. You know, we we live in a uh, we, we live in a, a society that's essentially free in the sense of like we have free will here, okay? And that's something that God gave all of us, free will. Okay? You know, if God didn't want us to have free will, we'd be robots. We would just he would just tell us what to say to him. But he doesn't want that. He doesn't want a robot. God does not want robots. He wants us to come on our own so to speak right and so we have to remember that that we are a republic the united states of america we are a republic a people of all races all creeds asian ages so to speak um all our different ideals religions and you know we as a republic are not here to so to speak um, move mountains for one group that's not really a republic if we do that we're no longer a republic anymore you know so I throw out the word like theocracy right theocracy so what is a theocracy and for for many of you who may not know what that definition is let me tell you what it is right now if i can pull that up here one second theocracy a system of government which priests rule in the name of god or a god his ambition is to lead a worldwide theocracy so the commonwealth of israel from the time of moses until the election of Saul the king, right? So what does that really mean, right? Um, what is that? How does that apply to us, right? It's a form of government which religion and the government are intertwined. The word theocracy comes from the Greek word theos, which means God. And I'm probably pronouncing this right. Kratine which means to rule, hence theocracy, literally means rule by God, right? So although as a Christian, we hope to be ruled by God, I'm individually ruled by God, but as a society, we are not ruled by God. Obviously, God is our creator. He is the one who makes things go. He holds our breath in his hand. Each day, he has the power to take away life and give life. But we are not ruled by God. 
in a sense, in our government. Okay? Now, do we as society, as Christians, is that what they hope for? Absolutely. Do they hope to have godly leaders who will listen to God and rule with godly wisdom? Of course. But we are, although we were built on Judeo-Christian principles when the United States was created, we are ruled by, you know, men and women of all different faiths, backgrounds, some with no faiths, some with no form of knowledge of, of who God is, you know, does that make them poor leaders? Not necessarily. Does, does, is it nice when they can roll with more compassion and, and from what God gives for us to be as human beings? Of course, you know, and you know, that's what we need in the world, right? We need more compassion, empathy towards other, other, other people, right? You know, um, and we have to think about that, right? So it's very upsetting when Christians, pastors who have huge congregations, and I'm talking like over 10,000 people in their congregation, plus they have maybe millions of people that they can communicate through through their social media like Facebook or Twitter and reach another message out there. So... This kind of sets me up for the next song I'm going to play right now, which was interesting to me. And it's um, by Genesis. And it's called Jesus, He Knows Me. And I don't know if many of you don't know this song. You know, in a sense, you know, it, I don't know. In a sense, does it mock God? No. In a sense, does it kind of open our eyes to kind of what happens um when it comes to the world of evangelicals? Of course. And some of it's pretty crazy on what they do, right? So let me, let me start with this song, you know, and then I'll kind of go over the lyrics a little bit. So let's listen to it for a moment. Mm -hmm. 
All right, everybody. So I love that song again. It's just a great representation. And really my my um, thoughts of what that song is, it's really about the prosperity preachers out there, right? So we've all seen them, everybody. We've all seen them on TV, you know, just like the song says, hey, you know what? Coming to you every Sunday, see the face on the billboard. Well, that man is me on the cover of a magazine. There's no question why I'm smiling. You buy a piece of paradise, you buy a piece of me, right? So, so what is that saying? You know, those prosperity gospels that, you know, that are like, hey, you know what? Send us your life savings. Send us your money. And you'll be blessed, people. You will be blessed with riches, you know? And, and, and you know, those are the ones that really give, you know, Christianity a bad name, right? Because they just fleece their flock, right? Unfortunately, their flock is stupid enough to do it, you know, and be really not um, wise enough to know that they're being, you know, used for their money, right? And many of these um, preachers are millionaires, multimillionaires with jets, right? With, with huge mansions, you know, and, and although, okay, let me say this. Although, you know, it, a, a preacher, a pastor can have money and not let it ruin him or corrupt him. And sometimes naturally pastors become wealthy because their churches grow and they don't necessarily ask for money. They don't, they don't necessarily, you know, force their congregations to give lots of money, but their congregations feel the need to do that because their preacher <coughs> is a good preacher. And then in time, they grow their church to exponential proportions, large churches, and then they start putting out books, they start putting out other forms of media, and they make money off that way. You know, again, I, I don't know how I feel about that, you know. Um, do I feel like, do I feel like pastors should be getting rich off God? Absolutely not. You know, and many of them do. Many of them know that just like any other industry business, that when people are willing to follow you, you know, they will give you their money. They will give you their time. Um, now, I'm not saying many of those pastors out there are disingenuous to try to, you know, get people to give them money. Um, I think things sometimes happen naturally and it's all due to God. Okay. But there are situations where it's not natural. It's not. And, you know, just like in the song, right? You know, talking about, you know, obviously, you know, the preacher's talking about, hey, Jesus knows, Jesus, he knows me. Because Jesus, he knows me. He knows, he knows me, you know? Um, just like one of the verses, I believe in the family with my ever-loving wife beside me, but she doesn't know about my girlfriend or the man I met last night. Do you believe in God? Because that is what I'm selling. And if you want to get to heaven, well, I'll see you right. You won't even have to leave your house or get out of your chair. You don't even have to touch the dial because I'm everywhere. Jesus, he knows me and he knows I'm right. I've been talking to Jesus all my life. 
Oh yes, he knows me and he knows I'm right. Well, he's been telling me everything's going to be all right. Won't find me practicing what I'm preaching. Won't find me making no sacrifice. But I can get you a pocket full of miracles or pocket of miracles. If you promise to be good, try to be nice. God will take care of you. Well, just do as I say, don't do as I do, right? What, what is a, an amazing um, interpretation of, of what happens today in Christianity, right? So one of the, one of the things that really upset me this weekend or this week, which really ticked me off, okay? Now I know we all have our own opinions. I have my opinions, everybody, you have your opinion. I, everybody has their own opinion, right? But certain pastors, I, I don't get. Some of their opinions are completely out there and you don't get how. So I'll give you one example. There was one pastor I was looking on Twitter. I think his name is Greg Locke. He has a very large congregation in Tennessee, right? He's also um, an advisor to President Trump, okay? So one of the things he put on his Twitter was this, okay? Um, like I said, recently there, just last week or this week was the um, Democratic Convention. And in their logo for Democratic Convention, this just their logo, like D something. I forget what it exactly looked like. But, but this pastor, what he did is he kind of singled out a piece of like a symbol within the Democratic, you know, logo. And he's like, well, look at this looks like a, a, a star you know this looks like satan's star and look and he actually put a a side by side of like what that piece of the logo looked like versus you know what satan's star looked like the pentagram right and that ticked me off right that pissed me off because here's a pastor who is just basically spreading lies spreading hate on his much larger congregation now i would tell you one of the things that i really was able to see is that many of those who saw that really fought against them saying you know and basically i'll use the word fake christian because that's really not what christians are supposed to be like right and so there's another pastor that i used to actually attend to um his name was actually jack hibbs his name is jack hibbs and um, he's a, you know, he's a famous pastor. He's been around, you know, for many decades. He's has a very large congregation in Chino Hills, right? And so he he puts things on his Twitter page too. And but he does a little bit more on Facebook. Um, and so I would I was I would put messages on there. And you know, one of the things that really was upsetting was just some of the opinions that he put on there that were no near christian now i get many white christians white evangelicals are white right wing i'll tell you that so and it's you know you would expect that right well hey you know what they they want an abortion they want lower taxes they want they want conservative values um but the thing about it is right as a christian Yes, you want those things. Yes, they are important to the to the body of Christ. But one of the things that are that we have to think about, okay? How are we how are we reaching the world? Are we reaching the world with that kind of attitude with hate 
And one of the things that really bothers me today about the evangelicals of today is just their their incredible it seems like hate for the LGB community. All right. And let me tell you why. Okay. And many people would probably disagree with Christians who say that they don't hate them, right? But many of them do. Many of them hate their lifestyle. And, you know, and I'm not going to say I agree with their lifestyle. Uh, It's their life. Those people who choose to be transgender or bisexual or gay or, you know, whatever the terminology you want to use. It's their life, okay? I have no rule over their life. Only they have on their own rule and God has rule over their life, so to speak. Because it's his creation, right? But... The one reason we're not reaching those individuals in their life, such as the gay and lesbian and, um, uh, you know, community, is because of how Christians act towards them. They act with spite and hate towards them, you know, and it's unfortunate that they're treated that way. Now, I'm not saying we have to accept their values. God, for crying out loud, Many of those who call themselves Christians are the biggest hypocrites, including myself. I'm not perfect, people. I make mistakes. I fail. You know, I get angry. I have thoughts that are not good thoughts towards people too. Things that I have to control. But in the ultimate, in the ultimate thing, uh, I'm trying to word my words. <laughs> in the ultimate um end game so to speak is that we are trying as Christians they are supposed to want to bring people to Christ to have a relationship with him now how do you how do they expect to bring people to Christ when they're putting them down and making them feel bad about their lifestyle see or condemning them right the way that people learn to realize if they're living the lifestyle of a Christian is not by condemning them It's by talking to them, showing compassion, empathy, talking to them, educating them, you know? That's the way you do it, everybody, okay? Um, And in time, God will do a work in their life, okay? God will. And in time, they're either going to come to know God, they're going to come to not know Him. Based on their own relationship and both based on what they how they live their lives, right? And we're all along the same plane in the life, right? When we come into this world, you know, as babies and we grow up, many of us are not Christians to start out with, right? We have to know who God is. Somebody has to introduce him to us, whether our parents, whether it's church, religious leader, television, who knows? That's how we're introduced. Now, if the, the imagery that those individuals are seeing are just hate towards them, then they're never going to come to Jesus. Never. And it's, it's their, the Christian hypocrisy will kind of be just overshadow God's message. And that's unfortunate. Because, you know, I know gay and lesbian people. All right? They're good people, so to speak. And I know that's not the, so to speak, importance when it comes to going to heaven or learning to Jesus. Because there are good people out there in the world. Of course there is. People who live good lives. 
who try to do right by other people. And they may not be Christians, but they, they act more Christian than Christians, unfortunately. And so a lot of the gay and lesbian people today, they're kind people. You know, many of them are very sensitive people. They're not hateful people. They just want to live their lives, you know, like anybody else. They don't want to be harassed. They don't want to be put down, made feel worthless. But that's, that's what society and Christianity tends to do to those individuals. And I, I'm not here to do that to people, right? You know? And so that needs to stop. That needs to stop. You know? We're not perfect. No one is perfect. No one. We all fall short of, from the glory of God, right? All. And that's in the Bible, people, right? So I'm not here to preach to you guys, you know? I'm just here to say, hey, you know what? No one's perfect in this world, right? No one. Only God is perfect. Jesus is perfect, right? So, you know, where, where do people go from here, right? Christians need to do a better job, you know? The other things that Christians need to do a better job is is Obviously, caring about the unborn, that's always going to be a form of part of their mission. But caring about the born, caring about the people out there who are suffering, something I, in my opinion, I'm sorry, they're not doing a very good job at. You know, I think of the horrors that are happening today with the children at the border, right? The damage that's been done to those children whether they're being abused in detention centers. And that comes from young kids to young teenagers, you know, and even adults who are being sexually abused in detention centers. And you, some of you may say, oh, that's not happening. You know, our government would never allow that to happen. But how do you know? How do you know that? You know, I feel it is happening. And it's because no one's watching those individuals, right? No one's watching them. We have people who are watching those children who know they can get away with it. Imagine, you know, you come here from another country looking to live a better life. You either cross the border illegally or not. You, you go through asylum. Either way, they strip you of your kids. They send your kid to a detention center. You don't know where your kid's at. You don't know who's watching your kids. Those kids are scared. Those kids don't know where mom and dad is when their mom and dad only try to do the right thing by trying to give them a better life to run from violence, from run from being killed. They came to America for help. And we failed them. I'm sorry. We failed them. And I get it. The, the big argument today is, well, you know, Obama did it. Obama caged the kids, you know. Obama may have done it. And Obama maybe had a different purpose for doing it. But we... Our purpose are sinister for what we do now, okay? We do it 
to hurt people. Maybe Obama did it not necessarily to hurt people, but to protect those kids because we had nowhere else to put them. You know, taking care of migrant kids and people is not an easy task. It's not like we have hotels to put people in. We have detention centers, unfortunately, which are like almost like prisons in a way. Um, Our system was never built to take care of large groups of people, migrants. That doesn't mean we shouldn't try to help them. That doesn't mean we should not try to give them an opportunity to be safe in our country. Yes, we are a crim- uh, we are in uh, a country built on immigration, and people forget that. And it wasn't the rich immigrants either; it was the poor immigrants, you know, the ones who came from Europe, the ones who hadn't didn't have a penny in their pocket, but that we still gave them a chance. But the thing is, we we live in a country that, unfortunately, I'm sorry to say this. They hate the the migrants. They hate um, the Latino culture. They hate Central Americans. They hate Africans. They hate. That is my belief. They hate those people. Because when you love somebody... Now, I'm not saying you have to love the migrant. But when you respect somebody... And you care for them. You show them rightfully. And you take care of them in a sense. Where they're dealt with humanely. And with dignity. Where's the humanity and dignity. That we are treating these people. None. Right. We are not. And it's unfortunate. It's horrible. That we are doing that to these individuals. Now I know. This should not be a partisan issue. This should not be, well, that's a Democrat kind of thing. They need to take care of them. No. That's a country thing. That's a country response of what we should be doing. To make sure that people are safe. People are not abused. People are taken care of. We do a lot. We send a lot of money to other countries that are basically our enemies. Just to be diplomatic. And we, we, as a country, yeah, we're kind of big brother to the world. We're not anymore. We've kind of segregated ourselves apart from the world now, you know, due to this current administration. Our allies don't even want to talk to us. Our allies don't want even anything to do with us right now. You look at Canada, our closest ally to the north, right? They've seen that we failed them. You know, even Europe. I get it. The The relationship is never going to be equal. But is any relationship ever equal in our lives, personally, professionally? No, it's not. But we adjust and we accept. We don't try to hurt the other party because we're not getting everything we want. We compromise. Now, there's other countries out there that doesn't... Hell, I don't understand. It doesn't make sense to me how we give everything to them, you know? And, you know, and we leave out other countries that actually need the help, you know? By by no means am I uh, an expert. These are just my opinions, people. What I think and what I've seen, what I observe, 
all right and some of you may try to throw at me well joseph that's 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 not really realistic you know you know you know people have been taking advantage of us for years and years and years and years that's the talking points right now right look what china's done to us right hey you know what let me tell you about china for a second china china is is one of those countries that we gave over our infrastructure power to have them create our products for us china is a power that we've had relationship with over the decades we gave up our manufacturing to china to be more efficient to save money to be more profitable now if we had kept the manufacturing in america and not given it to china would we be in a stronger place today absolutely but that iphone that you have in your hand yeah you'd probably be paying three thousand dollars instead of a thousand right because of wages because of cost because of the supply chain because of certain factors that are very costly that we've handed off to china so we can't say that china is the enemy completely you know and i would never call a country the enemy there are countries that hate us absolutely i, I think in my opinion that that china is just envious of our country they want to, what we have they want our technology. They want maybe our infrastructure. They want our, our medicine. They want the things that we have that they don't. You know, and that's why, unfortunately, they try to steal it from us. Should they get their own? Of course. Are they a developed nation? In a sense, yes, they are. They have, what, over a billion people, right? You know, in China, right? So if I was to look at how many citizens in China, how many set of citizens, people in China, 1.3 billion people, right? You know, so I know we may not always agree with other countries and how they do business. I mean, obviously, they're a communist country, you know. But, you know, they are, in my opinion, they are working to be more westernized. It's a slow process for them because, again, they are never going to agree with our ideals. They have many ways control over their their people. Something people don't realize that could easily happen to our country if we allow it you know it really could it's not all far-fetched as it is out there so we really have to think about that but what am i going to do now so like i said you know with the politics that has been going on with how evangelicals are acting online and i get it it's not reality to, to, to put so high expectations of what goes on online today, but it is important. It does affect you. It does affect me. And so I'm just going to, I'm going to take a break from social media for a while. I'm going to probably take a break for about 30 days. I became, I have become unfocused. I have become very angry. 
I have become depressed. I have become to the point where I'm becoming like a troll to other people online and I'm just bothering them for no apparent reason because I want to get my message across and get a reaction. And that's not who I want to become. And it's very easy to do that. Yeah, people could block me if they want, but do I want them to block me? You know, do I want to get to that point with people and push them that way? No. You know, I don't like it when people do it to me. But, you know, I'm giving too much power to social media when I should be focused on other things. There's other things that I should be focused on. Like um, my studies, my work, my teaching. And when I mean my studies, I'm actually trying to take a class through Udemy, which is a web development class that, you know, takes time to go through building websites, you know. So I hope to one day build my own website. That would be awesome. Right now, I'm just kind of going through the training online and trying to follow through with the steps and, and, and follow along and, and do my own thing. But trying. But I've been unfocused. I have not focused really on my family, you know, as well as I want to. I need to watch my daughter to make sure that she is not, you know, doing things that I wouldn't want her to do because she's not necessarily, she's never going to be on social media right now. She's obviously seven, but there's other things out there that I have to be very careful to watch out for. There's things like YouTube. Okay. So I have to make sure that she's not getting into things that I would, that are, could be dangerous, right? We have to watch our kids online. We have to make sure that they're safe, that they're protected, right? It's very important. So where am I going to go from here? Well, I have another song. It's another Don Henley classic. And it's called The Boys of Summer, right? And it's one of my favorites. I love this song. And, you know, I really, let me see what this song is about. Boys of Summer by Don Henley. It's released in 1984 by Eagles vocalist, obviously, and drummer Don Henley, right? Trying to see what it's about. The Boys of Summer is a French New Wave influenced piece directed by John Baptiste Mondino, and that was actually the, the video, which I like. Um, it shows three different stages of life as a boy, as a young adult, and middle-aged. In each case, reminiscing about a past relationship, impersed with scenes as are segments of Don Henley singing the words of a song while riding in a pickup truck. The young boy in the video is played by seven-year-old Josh Paul, while the girl is played by Audie England. I'm not sure who those people are now, but um, but anyways, so let, let's play this for a moment. All right.
What a fantastic song. I love that song. It just brings you to a point of like thinking about summer and thinking about love, thinking about the past. And I something I tend to think about a lot in my life is um, those things. And I think we all should self-reflect on those things in our life, right? They're so important. And um, although this song may not, you know, ideally you know give you an image of you know your past in may you know um this song was made in 1984 and i was about four years old so you know i i wasn't really uh, you know i didn't really know what this song meant back then but it's a song that lives on it's a song that is goes on and on and is probably gonna it's a legendary song in my opinion um i love playing music for you guys and you kind of get to see my taste in music um I don't really have a lot of, I don't know, you could say current music, you know, so you probably won't hear, you know, Cardi B or anybody like that, you know, you may hear some Britney, you know, but, um, but I, I like to mix it up as you can see. So, oh God, I had to get that out to you all you and talk to everyone out there and get my voice out there and, and get those thoughts out to you guys. Um, kind of what's going on now um my recent blog please go visit it at um joseph meyer creatives but let me God, forget my own <laughs> um joseph joseph meyer creatives.com and just go take a look and see my newest blog out there everybody it's um my for my next series this week i actually did one on um so just so you all the who Excuse me. For those who have not seen my blog before, it's um, my current series is Life in the Circus from Yesterday to Today. And this week, it's going to be the Siamese Twins, Chang and Ing, also known, uh, known as the Bunker Twins. And these were the Siamese Twins. Basically, they're conjoined twins. And um, so I, I something I, I'm doing in my series is to go over, you know, each of the curiosities I don't want to call them freaks because that's kind of cruel, but I mean, that's the term that's always been used towards them, but does it make it right? But um, just just their incredible life and how they performed and entertained and, and some of the interesting facts about them is how they were incredibly wealthy. They were actually slave owners in North Carolina. They had about 18 slaves, some of them even children. Um, they were brought from... Um, Siam and they're I think they're from what their history says is they were either part Chinese part Siam Thailand it, it's kind of their history is kind of like well not really sure where they fully came from obviously they're not alive today for us to speak with them but um, but just interesting that they're brothers two different personalities two different you know in one body imagine that <laughs> you know um so I, I encourage you guys to check it out. And I tried to do my research. Um, a lot of what's out there I was able to find off Wikipedia, Cyclopedia and Britannica, you know, other sources. I put pictures on there. So hopefully you have a chance to kind of see what's out there. And please enjoy my other um, blogs. Um, the one before that was based on Ella Harper, the camel girl. Before that was the bearded woman. Or bearded women. Alright. So. 
And, you know, I have actually have a, a lot of other different topics that I talk about that are on my blog as well. Um, so where do we go from here, right? Well, let me end off. You know, I'm going to play that last song and Dirty Laundry once again and really set the tone about really for everyone who's going out there watching the news, watching CNN, Fox News, um, One News Network, whatever it may be, realizing that, you know, to take everything with a grain of salt when it comes to the truth out there, we must, must do our own research and make sure that we understand that, that, um, you know, that not all of what they're telling us is truthful. And yes, it's easy to believe, but you need to do your own research. We all do, right? I encourage you guys to really, when it comes to doing things like voting, voting is coming up in the United States. For those who, who are living in the United States, November 3rd, obviously, is a couple months away where we will be choosing our new president or keeping the same president, so to speak. Um, but here's this last song I'm going to end off with today. It's always an honor to have each of you with me to listen to me. And hopefully you get some thing from what I'm talking about today. So hopefully you get some form of knowledge, not just entertainment. Um, and please reach out to me if you have questions. But let's start off with ending our show, right? Shall we? Here we go. Folks, thank you for everyone joining me today. Let's not add to the dirty laundry out there in the world. Let's be good citizens. Let's talk the truth. 
And thank you for joining me with Just Talk with Joe Meyer once again for another great episode, in my opinion. But you be the judge of that, everybody. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to listen to me. And although I don't have any followers, please follow me. <laughs> you know, even if you're, if you know, you may not listen to me every day. But thank you for taking the time to listen to me. And um, again, it's always an honor. And um, have a great week, everybody. Make it productive. Make it hardworking. Stay safe. Wear a mask. Take care of your family. And do what you got to do, people. So thank you for taking the time. And lots of love to everyone out there. Until next time, thank you for talking with Joe Meyer.